We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Because we need the power of God in our lives today or we're not going to make it. And those friends of yours, family members of yours, co-workers, they need the same power in their lives. Because we cannot do this on our own. We need God's help. And God, whenever he sent his son, Jesus was leaving. He said, I'm going to send you help. How many people like help? I love help. If I've got a helper, I want the helper to help me. I don't want to struggle in life by myself. And so God sent us this helper called the Holy Spirit. I don't understand why people want to struggle when you can have abundant life, when you can have life to the full, when you can have an easier living, yet some people go, I just rather struggle. I want to try to lift all the burdens by myself, do it all by myself, and I've never understood that. If you ever see me pushing my car down the road, help. I am not that person that says, I want to do it by myself. Go grab a bunch of people. I'll get in and let you push me if that's okay. But yet you see people in life struggling, going uphill, pushing hard, and we just get to go by and we're going, what, why are you living like that? God has help, but you have to ask for it. Today I want to talk about how to live an empowered life. We need men and women of God today to be empowered in this culture, in this society. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith. It's a faith chapter. The people throughout the history of the Word of God who really had a lot of faith, man, they made it to this list. And we've got a man in there today I want to talk about. So if you have it, Hebrews 11, verse number 7. I'm reading today from the Message Bible. By faith, I love that. I need more faith. I want to have faith. Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. That ought to just cause you to go, what? He was warned about something he couldn't see. So he couldn't see it. And he acted on what he was told. The result, the family was saved. We want results, but we don't want to do anything crazy. We don't want to do the unusual, but we want to get the unusual. If you continue to do the usual, you're going to get the usual. If you continue to do the usual, God cannot do the unusual. But if you want the unusual, you have to start doing the unusual. His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line. Today in our society, the line is blurred. His act of faith drew a sharp line between evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. So there are two diverse worlds. One is an unbelieving world, and one is a believing world. And Noah's act of faith says, you are either in this unbelieving world, or you're in the believing world. 
no middle ground. There is a sharp line between the two. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Isn't that awesome? Best buds, friends. So the question I had is, why did God choose Noah? Why did God choose Noah? If you look at the historicity of our world, you'll find that archaeologists say that during the time of Noah's life, there were approximately one million people on the face of the earth. So Noah was actually one in a million. And God looked around and found Noah. Look at this. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. God is always, right now, He's doing it. He's always on the alert. Constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to Him. Right now, God's looking at you. Are you totally committed to me? Are you ready? Are you wanting to follow me? Do you want to be my best friend? Do you want to be my best bud? Do you want to have communion with me like no one else? I want to. I'm looking for somebody. Is there anybody here qualified to be used today? Genesis chapter 6, 5 through 10. It's an introduction. God saw that human evil was out of control. Today, if you look around our culture, our society, humans are out of control. With evil. People thought evil. They imagined evil. Evil, evil, evil. From morning to night. God was sorry. That he had made the human race in the first place. Here's one of the most powerful things. It broke his heart. Have you ever had your heart broken? I mean it's devastating. Because when God created Adam and Eve. He looked at them and he go, man, this is perfection. This is exactly what I want. I want to be able to come down in the cool of the evening every day and fellowship and have friendship and, and have this great communion. And now, a few years later, million people on the face of the earth, and God goes, all they do, all they do, all they do, all they do, all they do is think about evil, evil, evil. I'm sorry, it's breaking my heart. So God said, I'll get rid of my ruined creation. I'll make a clean sweep. People, animals, even the snakes and the bugs, the birds, the works. I'm sorry I made them. But no one was different. One of them. God liked what he saw in Noah. So this is the story of Noah. Noah was a good man, a man of integrity in his community, and Noah walked with God. One guy out of a million who didn't wake up every morning to think evil, 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 evil. One guy that God looked and goes, everything else is ruined, even the snakes and the birds. But that guy, something different. I was looking around and I found one. I like him. And Noah walked with God. I want to find out what was it about Noah that made 
God, stop and look. Because I want God to stop and look at me today, don't you? I want God to stop and look at you. And go, wait a minute. There's a lot of things going wrong in our world today, but I like you. I like you. There's something different about you. Hey, you're not ruined. You're not like everybody else. So I want to I look at the four things. I call them points of empowerment that made Noah where God would look at him and go, hey, wait a minute. Let's wait before we destroy everything. And the first thing that I noticed about Noah was this. Here's his qualifications. I believe we all can meet the qualifications. He was available. Just available. I have found that availability is more important than ability. Through the years in ministry, I've, I've been able to find a lot of people in our churches that have lots and lots of abilities, but they're not available. Oh, I'd love for you to maybe sing. Oh, well, Pastor, um, you know, I'd really like to, but I don't like practice. Oh, you don't want to be in the choir? Well, I, if you want me to sing, you know, solo, but I, I don't want to join the church ministries. Why aren't you available? Well, you have beautiful abilities. I found so many people who are so talented, but they don't want to be in the choirs. They don't want to teach a class. They don't. Why? Because I'm just not available. I got to tell you, the most powerful thing that you can be today for God to use you is just say, "I'm available." He doesn't care about your abilities because He's the Creator. If you don't have any, He'll create abilities and give them to you. He'll find a place for you. He's just looking for somebody to say, "Hey." Look at me. I'll do something. Hey, clean the toilets. I'm there. Mow the yard. Get the windows clean. I'm there. You want me to stand at the front door and welcome people? I can smile. I can do that. Because I've found a lot of people through the years can't smile. They don't need to be greeters. Well, it's great to have you there, PC. I'm glad you came. I've had a bad week and I don't care. <laughs> but welcome. And I found that attitude is more important than aptitude. Man, the Bible says, let this attitude be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We've got to get the right attitude. If we, if we come to God and say, God, I'm available. I'm ready. Do whatever you want. I'm your one now in seven billion people. I want to be available to God. I want God to, to look at me. I mean, God looked at those disciples and said, hey, follow me. I wouldn't have chosen most of them. Neither would you. I mean, hot-headed, rambunctious, no faith, just complain a lot of times. Where are we going to get the money to pay for this, Jesus? I don't want to sleep on the ground again. What are we going to eat? They complained about a bunch. They were from fishermen to, to physicians. But after they had the experience of Pentecost, after Acts chapter 2, here's the verse that was written about them. These disciples turned their world upside down. Why? The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we got 
guys that can't even talk, guys that are denying Christ, guys that are wanting to go back and fix their nets. And Jesus stops them and says, no, uh uh you were available. I chose you. You followed me. I've empowered you with the Holy Spirit. It is time for you to live an empowered life. And we find the guy who denied Christ standing up in Acts chapter 2 and start preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word. 3,000 get saved. 5,000 get saved. Why? He's available. He says, here I am. And you know what was said about him? Another crazy verse in the Bible. These leaders in, in the town at that time, they looked around and go, why is all this happening? All these people getting saved. Because these guys that are preaching, here's what their resume was. They are unlearned and ignorant men. What they said about them. They're unlearned and ignorant. Why is all this happening? You know what that means? They're dumb, they're stupid, and they don't even know it. That's the Greek interpretation of that. They're dumb, they're stupid, and they're so stupid and dumb, they don't even know they're stupid and dumb. And yet God was using it, empowering them to preach the gospel because they were available. I'm telling you, availability is a lot more powerful than ability. Noah was a man who was righteous and blameless, had convictions. Yeah. He was available. The next thing he was, was he was antithetic. He was antithetic. Antithetic means to be directly opposed to. You have the life of Noah and 699 other million people. His life was directly opposed to everybody else's life in that culture. There was a sharp line between him, his convictions, his mindset, his attitude, his life. He was in direct opposition, antithetic to the world in which he lived. Today, if we're going to be used by God, if we're going to live the empowered life, now listen to me. You're not going to hear this in most churches. We must have a mindset that is the exact opposite of the world's mindset. There's a believing world and there's an unbelieving world. And today I'm telling you the church is getting a blurred line that is getting wider and wider between what the word of God says and how we live. Not what we say, but how we live. Noah was directly opposed, antithetic to his culture. You may say, but pastor, we've got to reach our society. Absolutely. We are to be in the world, but not of it. We are to love the sinner, love the person that's in the unbelieving world, but we are not to love their lifestyles. We are not to buy into their cultural mentalities. A statistic out this week about millennials, the new millennials. I have children that are in this generation. I'm a baby boomer. How many baby boomers we got in the house? In the baby boomer generation, we have more than an 85% divorce rate. Horrible. This statistic came out this week. New millennials, the divorce rate is down 18% from the baby boomers. Praise God. What I thought. 
And then they told me why. The reason is they choose to live together on the average 12 years, start a family before ever thinking about getting married. Don't praise God now. Because we have a blurred line. Because according to the word of God, there's words that we need to talk about, right? Adultery, fornication. But pastor, we don't want to use those words in the church. We must be antithetic to our society. Not to the people. We love everybody. But when people are headed in the wrong direction, we have to steer them right. We want God to look and go, hey, find me. I'm available. I've got the right attitude. But I'm also living the right life. I don't wake up every day and think evil, 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 evil. I'm not doing all the things. I don't have. They said they were fulfilling every evil imaginations that they had. And God was looking at them and going, man, they're ruined. My creation's ruined. We want God to look at us and go, well done. Well done. You're somebody I can use. But we've got to have voices in our world today that shows the antithetic mindset and the antithetic uh, lifestyle to absence of morality in our world today. Well, pastor, it's just how it is. Yeah. I think the Bible says it's going to be like that just before he comes back. But I want zero people going to hell. So that's why I preach messages like this. I want everybody in this house to say, wait a minute, I didn't know this. Now that I know this, I'm being held accountable for this. I need to get my life straightened out with Jesus Christ. I need to come down and say, God, forgive me. Lord, I didn't know. And today in most churches, they're never going to know. They say, just keep living how you want to live. Just keep coming. No, no, no. We want people to come. But let God, not me, not anybody else, let God touch your heart. Moses was antithetic. Yeah. And here's the kicker. Here's what they said. Not only do they live together for 12 years before and start a family before getting married, here's what's the kicker. They do not feel any remorse or regret. That ought to bring remorse and regret into our lives when we're going against the Word of God. There should be convictions that says, hey, wait, I get convicted? And God's like, like I'm just going to convict Pastor Barnwell and nobody else. I get convicted. I get convicted over things I don't do. Anybody ever, the, the sins of omission? You know, I should have said something. I should have done something. And I didn't do it. Then God convicts me. I've got to say, God, please forgive me. I should have said something. I should have done something. We need to get back to where we preach the word. We listen to the word. And the word changes us. Into a Noah so that God's eyes are looking around and go, whoa, wait a minute. There you are. I didn't see you. But after Sunday morning, I see you now. You're, you're available. Your, your attitude is changing toward me. You love me now. You're not just having evil in your heart, but you're, you're looking to me as the author and the finisher of your faith. You're wanting somebody to help you. I'm here to help you. What do you want? What do you need? But we've got to get antithetic toward our society, church. So Noah starts building this ark in the middle of dry ground. Some people are crazy. How many of you would have, I would be one of those? Have y'all seen old man Noah? 
building an ark in the middle of the desert? I mean, he didn't live, he didn't live in Oklahoma. There's a few lakes around here. We might could float that boat. He is in the middle of the desert. In the middle of the desert. And so his kids are got to go to school. Think about this. Kids going to school. Your dad, crazy, man. What's he doing? Oh, building a boat. What's a boat? I don't know. But it's, how long is it going to take? I don't know. I just hope it's over before my senior high school year. Because <laughs> you know, no matter, you don't build a boat, mom and dad, but you embarrass your teenagers. And you're not even building a boat. Families put under persecutions and pressures of life. And I was wondering today, if, how many of us could handle that kind of pressure? To do something so unusual that, that all the people are talking about you, that you're crazy. You're out of your mind. You're, they're taking it out on your kids. But you know what I find about Noah? I love this about Noah. Noah's wife stayed by him. Noah's kids stayed by him. Job, his wife was gone. But Noah's wife was like, you know, baby, I love you. How was your day? Same old, same old, honey. I'm, I'm out there at Gopher Woods, some tough stuff, man. I'll tell you what, man. You got a few splinters, but I'm going to be all right. Well, honey, you know what? You just stay out there and you keep working. I love you, baby. You keep going, honey. I don't care what all my girlfriends are saying about you. I love you. I don't care what they're talking about at the, at the lunch table today. What they say? I'm not even going to tell you. Right? It's going to hurt your feelings. But I love you. And I thank God that you're the man that I met. I thank God that you don't cower down to the pressures of life. Today, we don't want to be unique. We don't want to stand out. We want to blend in. Conformity is the number one thing that is destroying Christians today. And we read it in the Bible. It says this, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And yet we're trying to, in the church, find every way we can to conform to society. God says no. We don't conform to society. Society gets transformed by the power of an almighty God when the church is empowered to stand on the truth. The truth. We have things that are right. We have things that are wrong. And yet we try to be politically correct. You cannot be politically correct and biblically correct. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. The fear of human opinion disables. Well, what's everybody going to think? Trusting in God protects you from that. When you live an empowered life, if God has spoken something to you, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If God tells you to fast, you fast. What are you doing? How come you're not eating? Well, I'm fasting. For what? Because God told me to. I'm fasting for my family. I've got some kids that need Jesus. And the only thing that's going to transform their lives is the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got cancer and I need healing and the doctors can't do it. But I know a God who is my healer. He took stripes from his back. I believe and I need some help. And you do what you need to do because you're empowered. Empowered. So he was available. He was antithetic to his society. And you know what? Here's the big one. All 
He's all in. Noah walked with God. Said. He spent time with God. He talked with God. His natural life was turned into a supernatural life while he was living in a time of law. Think about this. We look back today, we find mercy and grace, right? Noah, in his time, there, there's no mercy, there's no grace, there's law. But he walked with God. Genesis 6.22 Noah did everything Say it. Everything, 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 God commanded him to do. In other words, he did all God commanded him to do. Now look at Genesis 7, 5. Noah did everything God commanded him to do. Wait a minute. Did they copy paste? And... <laughs> two different chapters, two different verses, and God told Moses, you write down again that he did everything I told him to do. Don't write it in there just one time. Some people may skip over it. I want everybody to know that he did everything I asked him to do. And he didn't sit there and go, but why? I talked about asking last week. We ask God, but we don't ask why. We don't sit around. But could you fill me in on all the details before I start building this boat in the backyard? No. He didn't ask why. He just said, you want me to build a boat? How big? Okay. <laughs> I think he's probably thinking, well, me and my wife, my boys, you know, probably a 20-footer will do, you know. Get some big paddles. We'll be all right. God goes, no. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> What? He didn't even say that. Okay. I love this guy. I love this guy. I mean, I, I, you, as a pastor, you can say, Noah, this week, I want you to go out. I want you to invite 1,000 people to church next Sunday. Okay. He do it. Yeah. God told him this, this humongous building project. He didn't go, where am I going to get the money? How's this going to work? How long is it going to take? Just, okay. I have found that obedience and faith go hand in hand. Noah is in the hall of faith, not in the hall of works. He's in the hall of faith. Why? Because he trusted God that everything God said, God would help him do. Today we need to have faith in God that takes us from sitting around doing nothing to getting up and doing everything. I'll do everything. I'll do all you ask me to do. All you got to do is ask me. Consider it done, Dad. How many of you ever argued with your daddy about telling you something to do? I did once. Wore a plum tree out on me. I didn't ask again. People go, oh, that's child abuse. I was abused a lot. How many post-child abusers you got abused as a child too? I'm not promoting that. I'm just letting you know my dad got my attention and said everything I asked you to do, I want you to do it. Don't ask me why. Because if I didn't need you to do it, I wouldn't be asking you to. God today has wisdom way beyond ours. And he's asking us to do stuff and we sit around and go, but why? People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to ask me why. No, 
He did everything God commanded. Why? Because obedience and faith go hand in hand. And let me tell you why. He, they, none of this makes sense. I want, to, you know, I want you to make a, I know the story. You don't know it. Because I didn't know it until I started getting into it more. Did you know that it had never rained? And yet, Noah's talking about rain. This is not even a word they know about. It'd be like somebody today going back in 1950 and, and talking something about computer language. Well, I'm an IT guy. You're an it guy? What, is that, what does that mean? He's saying it's going to rain. It had never rained. The atmosphere that God created in Noah's day did not sustain itself through rain. But every evening there would be a mist that would come up from the ground and it would be like a heavy dew that would come up on and that's what sustained everything and kept it beautiful. It had never rained. There was no concept or mindset of this thing called rain. So not only is he building a boat, an ark, a ship, he's now talking about rain. Psycho. Lost it, get him in the mental institution. Not only that, he lived in the desert. You go, okay, he lived in the desert. I want you to get this. It's 500 miles to the next largest body of water. It's the Mediterranean Sea. 500 miles. It's not like he's going to go, put some wheels under it. We're going to take it down the ramp. 500 miles away from water. He doesn't question this. And then God says, hey, wait a minute, you got to round up all the animals. How am I going to do that? He didn't say that. He just built it. He did everything. In the natural, none of this makes... How many of you could go out today and round up six animals? And I'm giving you dogs and cats. You're like, uh, I can't find any dogs or cats. I got... My neighbor's got one, but I can't catch that thing. Went up a tree, I can't get to it. He, this is a massive undertaking. If you continue to do the usual, God cannot do the unusual. Noah didn't ask why. Did not argue with God. Did not whine about it. I wonder today how many of us trust God to not question. When we have things go wrong in our lives, we don't question God. We don't blame God. We just say, God, I trust you. I serve you with all that I have. And everything you ask me to do, I will do it. Noah trusted God. The last thing that I found in his life was this word acquiesce. It means to submit or comply without protest. Noah acquiesced his life to God. He complied. He submitted. No protest. It also means to completely agree with. How many of you have anybody in this room that you completely agree with? There's not one in going up. And Noah completely agreed with God about everything. And God completely agreed with Noah about everything. And that's why they had this great relationship. So he acquiesced to God. Everything that he had. 
Today, I find us acquiescing to our culture and society. We comply with them. We comply with their mindsets and their moralities and their views and their politics and everything else. When God's going, don't completely agree with the world. Completely agree with my word. Completely submit yourself without protest. Well, I love you, Lord, but not available. Not on Tuesdays. I got stuff I got to do. I'm available not on Sunday mornings because that's my time. That's my me time. Me and me got to have some time together. And that's when everybody else in the house goes to church and I'm going to stay home. Quiet time. Not, uh, we have all these exceptions. We have all these questions. All of these things that come in and, and tear us away from doing everything that God's commanded us to do. But Noah did not give up. He did not quit. <laughs> I tell you, here, I've seen a lot of people quit on God. They, they get going. And they, as long as it's good, you know. As long as the, the God is pouring out blessings. My wife and I, we are the happiest in our marriage we've ever been. My kids are awesome. They're all straight-A students and all of that. They got full scholarships to all the greatest universities. And you know what? I own my own business and I just signed a contract. I'm going to get $10 billion off of it. I mean, life could not be better. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. But then when everything falls apart, when the enemy comes in like a flood, we wilt and we crumble and we fall and we go, God, do you love me? God, do you even care? Do you even know who I am? And God's going, my eyes are constantly looking. I never stop looking for somebody. Looking for somebody who's available. For somebody who's empathetic. For somebody who's going to give their all and not acquiesce to the pressures of the life. I'm looking for somebody to agree with me. You see, there's a lot of things in life that can cause you to quit. Can you imagine a 120-year project? I don't even like washing my car sometimes. It takes too long. I don't like mowing my yard sometimes. It takes too long. <coughs> I get impatient. I don't even like waiting on something. Wait, wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I love to sing that song. But I'm not good at doing that. <laughs> I love the song. I don't like the message. But it makes me sound so much more spiritual. <laughs> Then we start going, even so, come more quickly. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm waiting. Done. We ask, we want God. We want God to do everything that we ask Him to do. But yet we don't want to be reversed in the relationship to where everything that God asks us to do, He knows it's done. I don't even have to worry about it. I asked I ask Dwayne to do something, done. Now I can go over here and ask Dale to do something because that's done. I can go over here and ask, uh, done. Once I ask Dwayne to do it, I know it's a done. You've got people in your life like that, don't you? You ask them to do something, you don't even worry about it again. It's, it's going to get done. 
And then you've got people you ask them ten times because you know it's not going to get done. You ask them, then you text them, then you Instagram them, and then you Twitter them, and you FaceTime. Hey, let me, let me see that it's done. Because I don't trust you that it's done. Your bed made up? Yes, ma'am. FaceTime that thing. Let me go in and take a picture of it. They got stuff, you know, I'm telling you, they got stuff libraried up of all the things you've asked them to do. So don't believe the picture. you got to have a live shot. But Noah didn't give up. We're not good at waiting. He acquiesced to God. So here's some things I found out. That whenever you begin to do all that God asks you to do, here are some things I promise you will happen. Number one, you're going to have problems. If you want to serve God and acquiesce to God and not the society, you get ready. You're going to have problems. Problems will always come up when you do what God asks you to do. Noah's got to separate these animals. Problems. You cannot have the birds by the worms. Can't do that. You only got two birds. Two worms. Don't put them beside each You cannot put the tigers next to the birds. And on and on this situation goes. You got to figure this out, man. Can you imagine standing before God and going, where's the worms? Dude. My son put them next to the birds. <laughs> then you got all the logistics of this thing. Problems. Logistics. How's this all going to I'm 500 miles away. And then, here's what you don't know. Probably most of you don't know this. The sanitation problems. you got all these animals. You're going to have sanitation issues. Now, most people think, well, it rained 40 days. So 40 days. No, it rained 40 days. But they were on this ark for a year. Because it took that much time for the waters to recede so they could get out on dry land. So it's a year in the ark. It's a year of sanitation and logistics and problems. I mean, you got, some of you can't even stand being with your family for two or three days at a time. A year in the same boat. Throw a fit. Where are you going? I'm going to the worms. Can't go to the worms because one of your kids is already over there. One, two, three. Poor kids couldn't count past two. <laughs> got problems, man. And then you've got pressures. Here's what I, I, I read. The weight of the world was actually on his shoulders. The weight of the whole world. Because he has the responsibility to repopulate the earth. Wow. That's a lot of responsibility. And i got to tell you. When you have that kind of pressure on you, you're going to get disappointed a lot. People will disappoint you. People will criticize you. They will fail you. They will treat you badly. And that's just your friends. I wrote down right there. Those are just your friends. But Noah never gave up. He never acquiesced to quitting. He acquiesced to God and he did everything that God asked him to do. And then here's what God said about him. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 in the Message Bible it says, But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. Genesis 6 8 in the NIV version. 
But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6, 8 in the King James, and this is where we mostly read it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Wow. Grace in a time where no one had ever received grace. God said, I am going to give you a gift of grace. In the middle of all the evil. Because I found somebody that I like. I found somebody who's available and they've got a great attitude. You've got to have a good attitude to build a ship and not get discouraged. You've got to have a great attitude to be able to live this life. And, and, I, and God made a covenant with Noah. We see it today, don't we? The rainbow. Beautiful rainbow. That's a covenant that reminds us that God destroyed the, the earth one time with water, but the next time he'll destroy it with fire. So he made a covenant with Noah. And I wish the story ended right there. Close the curtains. Good job, Noah. You're in the hall of faith. But the Bible tells us everything. That's why I love the Bible. So after all these great things that God used Noah as, guess what? When he got back on dry ground and got back to living again, he messed up. He, he, he all of a sudden had this new fertile ground. He, he, he broke up the ground and he planted a vineyard. And then once he had that vineyard, he made some wine. And once he made that wine, he, he drank too much. And the Bible tells us the good, the bad, and the ugly. He got drunk, committed incest. And yet he made it to Hebrews 11. How and why? Because Noah found grace. Noah found favor. God liked him. But the Bible does this throughout all of the whole Bible. I mean, how many? Moses, a murderer. I mean, right? David, an adulterer. But all of these, David was a man after God's own heart. How does this happen? Because grace and mercy and favor. And today we are living in a time where God gives even more grace and mercy and favor. And what I love about this is I thank God for telling me about this because even though Noah was a man who had weaknesses and failed and he did the wrong thing, he found favor and grace in the eyes of God. And today that gives me hope that, that no matter what I've done in my past, no matter what I'm doing right now, I can find grace in the eyes of God. God will look. His eyes are on me. I'm finding somebody who's available. I'm finding somebody who will acquiesce their will to my will. And I will take them and put them in the hall of faith. Because I'm a God who takes the past and casts it as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. I thank God that today... No matter how we have lived our living right now, God is looking for all of us to say, hey, are you available? I will use you. I will forgive you. I will take all of the things in your past and I will give you faith. He wants to do something that's even more creative and more powerful 
than him saying, light. He wants to take our sins that are black, filthy, in his eyes, and he wants to miraculously wash us and make us white as snow. That's the greatest thing that will ever happen in all of humanity. To go from an unbelieving world, cross that sharp line into a believing world. To go from not pleasing God, not being available, having the wrong attitude, and, and all those things, to being able to come over here and say, God, I'm available. Change my attitudes. Change my heart. I'm antithetic toward the lifestyle I used to live. I'm antithetic to the, all the mindset of this world. I, I want to give you my all. I want to acquiesce my will to yours. I completely agree with you. You're the only truth. You're the only way. You're the only life. And I need you today. Come into my heart to have mercy and grace in my life. I want you to like me. I want to be your best friend. I want us to be best buds. And today God is ready to do that for every one of us in this place today. There's nobody that should walk out of here and be at odds with God. So I want you to stand with me this morning. The reason why God put this message upon my heart because he wants everyone in this place to be empowered to live a life antithetic to society. And I got to tell you, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to live a lifestyle antithetic to this society because the pressures are just too great. Even if you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, it is difficult to live a life antithetic to our society. I see it happening in the conformity of Christians all the time. Well, yes, I'm a Christian, but pastor, come on. Hey, I didn't write the word. I preach the word. These are not my words. Thank goodness. These are God's words. And heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will never pass away. They are eternal. And when I stand before God, I want every one of you there say, thank you, Pastor. You preached a hard message one Sunday. I didn't like you. That's okay. I'm not here for you to like me. I'm here for you to love God. I'm here to tell you truth. Because that's what real friends tell each other, right? A real friend to tell you, yeah, you fat. <laughs> they will. That's a real friend. A real friend to tell you, you got something in your teeth. A real friend will tell you the harshest truth. Because they love you. A person who's not a friend, they'll let you go out and be embarrassed in society. Yeah, that looks good on you. 
does it? Looks bad. And I'm his friend. And I love you with all my heart. But I don't want you to be coddled by the world and, and all of a sudden these things that God holds as precious commands of God. That all of a sudden now we're conforming to the world's mindsets and mentalities. I want God's eyes to be away. I got, I, got, I got a whole bunch of people. I got a whole bunch of Look at all these people. There's not just one in a million. Man, there's hundreds in a billion. And God does not want to ruin his creation he loves you. You're his creation. He created you in his image. You look like your dad. And all he wants us to do is act like his children. So would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? This won't take but a second. And then we'll enter in the final phase of this service. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want God to know that I'm available. I've told him in the past maybe I'm available, but life has gotten me so busy. I've got so many things I'm doing that honestly, I've, I've kind of gotten away from that. I'm not as available as I used to be. Maybe you need to tell God today, hey, I want to give you my all. Maybe you've done it in the past, but you've kind of gotten away from it. He really doesn't have your all. He's got some of you, got a lot of you, but not your all. Maybe you've allowed a mindset to come into your mind that says, well, you know, maybe this isn't wrong. Because you know what? Everybody else is doing it, and God doesn't strike them dead, so I guess I'm okay. No. God is just a merciful God. He was waiting on us to come to Him and say, God, forgive me of my sins and wash me white Maybe that's you today. That Pastor, I need to ask God to forgive me. I need to have an antithetic mindset against society. And I need to acquiesce to God today. I need to comply with Him completely. Agree, submit. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.